grace and peace to you from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, my brothers and sisters in Christ. Back when I was in high school, not terribly long ago, there was an insult that you just prayed no one would say about you. It wasn't really a dirty word, it was an accusation. The worst thing to be called back in my high school days, back in my teen years, was fake. A poser. The worst accusation someone could levy against you was that you were trying to be someone that you're not. That you are not being sincere, that you are putting on airs, and that you're acting somehow differently than you normally would. That was about ten years ago. Have things changed? Not really. I still think one of the cardinal sins of our society and culture is to be fake, is to be insincere, call it inauthentic. And so when we read our second lesson for today from 1 Corinthians, it seems like Paul is encouraging us to be inauthentic. He says, To the Jews I became like a Jew. To those not Jewish, I acted like I wasn't Jewish. To those with weak consciences, I acted like I had a weak conscience. Is Paul being fake? Well, far from it. Paul is being the farthest thing from inauthentic. Paul is being entirely authentic. He's being real about something specific. He's being authentic about something in particular. And when we find out what that something is, we find out that we should be too. But it's true that not everyone is the Apostle Paul. Not everyone can say that they directly saw Jesus face to face and had a direct order from Jesus Christ himself to go and preach and be a pastor and start churches and preach these beautiful sermons and write these beautiful letters. I hate to break it to you, but that didn't happen to me. That's not why I'm standing up here. Paul directly saw Jesus Christ. And Paul followed those orders. Paul's legacy of going from church to church, whether it was in Corinth or Galatia, wherever it was, was his legacy of doing what he was told, just following orders. Now, my family got a puppy about a year ago, and any of you who have ever raised a dog know that training a dog is difficult. It is exhausting, especially when you start from that two-month-old stage and on. But we finally reached the point where we can have a baseline of behavioral expectations. When we say sit, we can expect the dog to sit. When we say come here, we can expect the dog to come here. When we say kennel, we can expect the dog to go to her bed. But every once in a while, that dog will surprise us and do something beyond our expectations. She will show her desire to please us by doing what we want her to do before we even ask. She goes above and beyond. What a good dog. Paul wanted to be Jesus' good dog. Paul wanted to do more than just sit when he was told to sit. Paul wanted to do more than just roll over when he was told to roll over. Paul wanted to do more than just follow his orders. He wanted to go above and beyond. He wanted to make his Savior happy. He wanted to please Jesus. And so what did Paul do in Corinth? 
he refused a paycheck. He said to his church, I know you should pay me. I know I have the right as an apostle to demand that you at least give me a room to stay in, but I'm not going to ask that from you. And so Paul worked on the side. He made tents. He supported himself. He bought his own food. He paid for his own lunch so that he could say that the Corinthians didn't depend on him or that he didn't depend on them because he wanted to please his Savior. And this attitude of going above and beyond, of being a good dog for Jesus, impacted the way Paul enacted his relationships. And that's what we're hearing in our lesson for today. Because Paul says, Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone. Though I don't answer to a single human being, Paul says, though I only take my cues and my orders from Jesus Christ himself and no one else, though I don't care what anyone thinks about me except for Jesus, I'm going to care about what everyone thinks. I'm going to put other people's needs, desires, perspectives far above my own. I'm going to live for others to please Jesus. Wow. Wow. What a guy, right? But is this Paul going above and beyond? Or is this something we need to do too? You see, the first part of what Paul said, I am free and belong to no one. Oh, that, that's awesome. I love that. That's the kind of freedom talk that we look forward to, right? I don't answer to any of you. I don't have to pay attention to what anyone says. That's the mantra that I wish we could paint as a mural on the wall. But that's not the whole story. We are free, free to be slaves, free to care, free to serve, free to please Jesus in the way that we treat others. But that's hard because I get so used to being in my lane of treating my relationship with Christ like it's my business, like I'm just on this road by myself. And as soon as somebody else veers into my lane and I have to start thinking, or they ask me to start thinking about their needs, their perspectives, their opinions, whether they're wrong or they're right, I don't like that. I don't like the idea of someone else influencing the way I should behave. But you know what that's like? That's like you're drowning in the open ocean and somebody throws you a life preserver and you're saved. Your life is saved. You're going to live. But you see someone else drowning. Do you worry about them? Do you try to save them? Do you even attempt to swim out to them? You see, people are dying every day spiritually. Do we care? Or are we too comfortable? Are we too focused on our own lane, our own relationship? With Jesus. Because you know what our sinful nature prizes the most over everything else? It's normalcy. It's our comfort zone. It's comfortability. It's that things stay the same. That's why we might get threatened if we get too big or reach too many people or too many people start walking through these doors that are different than us. Because then we might have to give up what we find so dear. But if what we find so dear about our church culture is anything other than the gospel, that's sin. Brothers and sisters, to be completely honest, 
Our problem is not that we do too much to reach and seek and save the lost. Our problem is not that we're changing too fast to meet the needs of the people around us. Our problem is that we do too little. That we're trying too hard to just keep things the way they are instead of swimming out to someone else. And that's what keeps us from asking the real question, from really listening to someone we disagree with, to really having a, hum- a conversation with another human being who's coming at life from a completely different perspective. We're afraid. This is a fear that Paul did not have. Because Paul was not afraid of this. He would walk into a synagogue. He would walk into a room full of people who all they knew was Mosaic law and eating kosher, and he wouldn't run in with two pork chops in his hands. In fact, he probably would don a yarmulke just like the rest of them and wait his turn to speak. When Paul was around people with weak consciences, he wouldn't act like a bull in a china shop just yelling at them about his freedom in Christ. And it's not because Paul was being fake. Because there was one thing that Paul was incredibly authentic about. There was one thing that Paul had in front of his mind. There was one thing that was his spinal cord and everything else attached to it. And that one thing, he tells us what it is in the last verse of our lesson. He says, I do all this to win as many as possible. I do all this for the sake of the gospel. It's true. Not everyone can say that they are the Apostle Paul. Not everyone can say that they have the history of wickedness and evil that Paul had. Because do you remember who he was before he was Apostle Paul? He was Paul, persecutor of Christians. Before Paul came to believe in Jesus Christ as his Savior, he hated Christ. He couldn't stand the thought that somebody believed that Jesus died for their sins. And so he dragged Christians off to prison by their hair. He approved of the public execution of a brilliant Christian man named Stephen. He hated the church. So what happened? The gospel happened. Paul was on his way to a town called Damascus, and Jesus appeared to him face to face. He confronted him, but confronted him with the gospel. Paul heard the word, and he was baptized. He was made a child of God through faith. And that's what accounts for the difference. Paul's life was changed by the gospel. And the gospel is the simple preaching and teaching of the good news about Jesus Christ. That's it. But that's everything. So you, is your story that much more miraculous than Paul's? Sure, you didn't persecute the church. Sure, you're not writing epistles that are included in the Bible. But really, look at your path. Is it that much different than Paul? Before you came to believe, what does Scripture say that we are before we have faith in Christ? We are enemies of God, hostile to him, and we are dead in our transgressions and sins. We wouldn't come to God if we could. We wouldn't want to be on God's side even if we could make that choice. But then what happened to you? The gospel happened. Somebody told you that Jesus died for your sin. Somebody brought you to a font to be baptized and washed of all of your sins, to connect you to the gospel. 
Somebody told you that there's a life preserver right there and they threw it to you. And just like that, though the guilt of your sin was weighing you down and the threat of hell and punishment for all the wicked things you've ever done was going to drag you into the bottom of the ocean, God saved you by washing away your sins, by forgiving you completely. Thank God that somebody threw you that life preserver. Thank God that somebody did not consider it too much effort to swim out to you, to meet you where you were at, and to tell you about Christ. Because that's the gospel. That's the power of God to change lives, and it has changed your life. The gospel is now the most important part about you. The gospel is now your spinal cord to which all other aspects of your life attach. The way that you treat your spouse, your kids, your friends, and complete strangers all hook on the gospel of Jesus Christ. That we are all sinners, but sinners for whom Christ died. That's the point of our lives now, brothers and sisters. And that's what Paul was completely authentic about. So Paul could walk into a synagogue and act kind of like a Jew to be respectful of Jewish traditions and sensitivities. Not by being fake, but so that he could be real about the gospel. That's why Paul could hang out with a bunch of people who thought that eating idol meat is a sin and he wouldn't eat idol meat either. So that he could be real about the gospel. So that when the conversation turned to things about Jesus, he could be authentic and that they would listen to him. So that he could have a real conversation with someone about their salvation from sin. That's real authenticity. That's real freedom. You're free to serve. Free to be a slave to all, as Paul says. And that's the difference maker. The gospel. So that's how Paul would swim out to people. How can you? Is it by really listening to someone when they talk? Even if you completely disagree with what they're saying. Is it by asking thoughtful questions to get to know someone else's perspective that is completely different from yours? Is it by embracing diversity, not running away from it, enjoying the fact that there are other people in this city who think and approach life and come from a background completely different from yours because these are people for whom Christ died as well? Then you'll be swimming out to them. Then you'll be bringing them their life preserver. Then God can and God will and God does use people like you and me to save lives. But I don't want you to think that in order to be a good Christian, you have to be an extrovert. I don't want you to think that in order to be a powerful evangelist, you have to be a motormouth people person. And I don't want you to think that it's always going to go well. Because what does Paul say? By all possible means, I want to save some. Some. With that one word, Paul recognizes it's not always going to be a home run. When you tell somebody about Jesus, when you share the beautiful message of a full and free forgiveness of sins, they're not always going to be hearing you. And it's not going to be by your cleverness that they will hear you. It's not going to be because your pastor is younger than 30 that they will come to believe in Jesus Christ. It's not because of anything outward. It's not because of anything at all other than the gospel. 
that anyone comes to believe in Jesus. And so some will hear. Some lives will be saved. Don't be discouraged. Because the gospel is not your power, but the power of God. Someone's just got to be the one to throw that life preserve. Let it be you. Find someone and swim out to them. Amen.